episode two. And guess what? What's that? We have a name. We have a name now. We have a name. Riffin. Riffin. We were thinking of a name for so long, right after that podcast was recorded, and we were going back and forth, and both John and I are musicians. You play guitar riffs whenever you have conversations. You riff back and forth. It just kind of made sense. And John... <laughs> What was it? Our uh, well, where we're recording. Houses? Yes, we are recording in the house of Riffendor, Riffendor. right now because we're riffing. <laughs> All right, so that's pretty cool. We're excited about that. We did not wait to get a name before we started our podcast. So hopefully, uh, you guys were able to take something from st- getting started last yeah. week, and uh, maybe you started a project you've been holding off, or you started working out. I started something new today. What's that? I started running in the morning, the very thing I said I didn't like doing. Oh, no. Was it good? I did. It was. It was good. I took the dog with me. I took it nice and slow, about a mile and a half. Nice. And I wanted to make it enjoyable. But what I really want to do is start with a joke. Mm, I'm ready. You have a captive audience right here. I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. All right. What do you get? And in my head right now, I'm thinking of which joke I want to tell because normally I can't stop. <laughs> What do you get when you give a group of beavers and a construction company? <laughs> He's laughing already. I get I get laugh points, right? Do I get laugh points for that? Just saying a group of what beavers. Do you, <laughs> what do you get when you put a group of beavers and a construction company in charge of a TV show? Something about... Would I don't know the best damn building documentary ever? Wow, <laughs> I think the buildup was funnier than the punchline. <laughs> it might have been. That's what usually jokes are. You know? If you can get them to laugh before you've actually told the joke, you're good. Yeah. But anyway, no. I I just start to my my son was really excited about our podcast. As soon as I told him that we had a podcast, he was like, "Oh, dad, dad, can I?" I want to make I want to make a Minecraft podcast. My son is six years old. He's really into Minecraft. I tried playing Minecraft with him, and I'm gonna be honest with you, my son. I got mad respect for my son's video game skills after that. Yeah. Have you ever played Minecraft? I've seen it. I know you build stuff with blocks. Yeah, that's about it. And I asked, like, how? Do you, it was like I grew up with Nintendo, mm. and towards my teenage years, Nintendo sixty four. We had 007 and Mario Kart. The best. Yeah. And maybe 1080 snowboarding if you were really good. Like, you know, so I don't get all these buttons and stuff like that. Tecmo Super Bowl. Have you ever played Tecmo Super Bowl? No. Well, football season is coming and I might break out Tecmo Super Bowl. (laughs) Um, If you're a Tecmo Super Bowl fan, hit us up. Let me know who your player was. (laughs) Christian Okoye. He's good. Kansas City Chiefs. I have no idea what you're talking See, about. See, I'm riffing. I'm riffing now. All right, so your son was talking <laughs> anyway, about Minecraft. Right. And uh, he wants to make a Minecraft thing and, and a Minecraft podcast. So I, I thought about it. And in my head, my dad head of mine, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't I don't know how to make a podcast. <laughs> uh, Tim does all the hard work. I just talk. <laughs> and uh, And I'm thinking in my head, wait a minute. He's six years old. Like, he doesn't grasp what a podcast is. He doesn't grasp all the work that has to go into it. In fact, most of you don't either. Um, and I said, I'll tell you what, buddy, why don't you just write down a couple things you want to talk about Minecraft and you can share it on our podcast. And the kid was elated. Mm. He was so excited. Probably made his day hearing that. Absolutely. He got his notebook out and, and everything like that. And here we, and here's my, here's my son Josiah right now. Wait, 
he's not here right now because I totally forgot we were recording today. <laughs> so, Ooh, next time, you guys are going to hear my son talk about uh, some Minecraft tips for beginners. Ooh. So look forward to that. But just something to keep in mind when I was thinking in my head, like, I don't want to tell him no because it's my son. But what do I do? You know, how do I help him? How do how's and I didn't realize that sometimes it was just the littlest thing that I could do. Just give him the microphone for about three minutes, and that's all I needed for him to feel absolutely heard. Wonderful to Mm -hmm. feel heard. To feel like I was paying attention to him and giving him what he wanted, Mm -hmm. and it didn't have to be some huge. Have here's your own podcast. Let's plan out six episodes so you know you can say you have a podcast. It was th- three minutes. It's going to be yeah, and letting him talk about what he wants to talk about and not governing. Okay, well, since it's our podcast, Josiah, this is the topic. You like, just, yeah, letting him speak from his yeah. own mind. He's going to riff on Minecraft. Nice. You know what? And we can transition into talking about video games and stuff too. <laughs> but but anyway, it's just something to think about when when somebody wants something. Just really take a minute and think like, how can I help this person? Yeah. And let's just kind of dovetail off of help for a while because that's been really on my mind, honestly, for the last year, <laughs> but mostly this past week, I've been learning a lot about the proper ways to help somebody and what it means to be uh, helping someone in a productive way and not in a destructive way. And I actually have been attending a class for work about helping people in therapy and trauma people, people who have experienced trauma and ways to help them. And I've been learning that I have been helping people the wrong way almost my entire life. (laughs) And I've had the best of intentions, but it does not matter. Whenever you are in a position to help somebody, just wanting to help isn't always enough. You have to be properly equipped to help somebody. Just having the good intention isn't enough. And that's what I've learned ways that I was helping people in a negative way was trying to fix them. I am a fixer. When someone comes to me and they're hurting and they feel sorrow and they are confused, I try to analytically explain to them how they can get out of that situation. And that is completely wrong. Even though I mean the best, it just is so wrong. Cause how many times have you been hurting and someone's like, Oh John, just do this X, Y, and Z. How many times have you really listened to that? You'd probably have been like, no, I need to go through this myself or you just don't listen. So, mm-hmm. And sometimes it just, it does, doesn't work. You no. know, parts of your brain fire that literally you are incapable of thinking logically. Yeah. Um, when your lid flips, uh, hey, a prime example, I was playing softball the other day. Somebody threw, uh, tried to throw me out at second base and, and it hit me in the ankle with this really hard throw. Yeah. And my amygdala fired, and it's like, ouch, that hurts. Like, and I was upset, and I was angry, and I was like, you know, I was yelling, I like, man, come on, if you can't throw a softball, like, why, why are you even playing softball? Like, <laughs> you know, and then within 10 seconds, sometimes it doesn't take very long. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, geez, I, I, was, I was kind of a jerk. Like, I'm not able in the moment to really think through things logically, and I think it's the same thing that you're talking about. Well, yeah, we don't know what someone else is going through. You look at someone's situation and you only see what's on the surface and they may have a whole vault of information stored in their brain that they have not even shared to anybody that they are fighting with. But you're giving them advice based on the 1% of information that you have. And truthfully, the best way you can be there for somebody 
is just to be there and give advice whenever they ask for it. No one wants unsolicited advice. Yep. I've heard it said before, unasked for advice is often taken as criticism. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'm so, I'm so bad at it. I'm so bad because I don't want to see my friends and loved ones hurting and I don't want to see them confused. Um, it kind of goes, I've recently been thinking parents, especially I'm not a parent yet, but this is just kind of what I've been noticing. Whenever we do dumb things in our past and we say, well, I'm doing it so my kids don't have to because they'll grow up and say, and I'll say, well, I did that. So you don't have to do it. Don't make the same mistakes I did. I really wonder how many kids actually listen to that because I feel like people want to experience things for themselves and they want to come to that conclusion on their own. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, maybe I'm wrong, but no, I think I think you're right. I have to learn things myself. Yeah, I will use that much. I want the experience. Um, I don't know if that's just a character thing, a personality thing, but the, we I think inside of us we have this like, well, just because they did it that way doesn't mean um, it's not going to work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's you could take that throughout history, different civilizations, you know, well, they did it that way, you know, but if, and it didn't work out, but maybe we'll do it just a little bit differently and it'll work out for us. Yeah. Uh, Happens all the time. I have someone in my family going through an awful divorce and she has been getting advice for so long that, you know, things are, you know, I got to tread lightly when I'm talking about stuff like this, but <laughs> okay. basically just to be careful, just to watch out for herself. And it seemed on the surface that she wasn't hearing anything we were saying. And the only time that anything was ever done about it was whenever she reached out and said, I need help. Someone please help. And we were there for her. And now she's getting out of it and she's on the mend and things are going, you know, awesome. But it was frustrating in those moments whenever we saw her really upset and we would go to her and say, why aren't you doing X, Y, and Z? I think because she probably wasn't ready. She wasn't at that point in her journey yet. And the only time what we should have been doing is you need to be doing this. We should have been saying, how can we be there for you? What you know, the situation better than anybody, you know yourself better than anybody. So how can we be most helpful to you to get to your destination? Yeah, I think a lot of times, too, a simple question of how did that make you feel Yeah, and encourage people to get in touch with their emotions. I think that is something that I don't know that I've really ever learned that, you know, when you say get in touch with your emotions, oftentimes there's just like, well, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to have emotions. And I, I don't know where that came from. I don't know. I'm not a history buff. I don't know if maybe in the 50s, 60s, it was just like you just don't talk about your emotions. Um, you play this tough guy role, this tough man of the house role, especially for men. I don't want to get all stereotypical men and women thing because I actually do a lot of things that women would do. Yeah. Um, there's some women that would do a lot of things, you know, characterize that most men do. Um, but I think it is just how do you get in touch with your emotions? How does that make you feel? I know when somebody challenges me uh, and says, well, how did that make you feel? I struggle. Mm-hmm. Gosh, well, I don't, I don't know. Like, what are the different feelings, you know, that, that you even can experience? Yeah. And the problem, too, is whenever you have someone in your life constantly telling you what to do and how to feel, it's hard to decipher, do I feel this way because I 
feel this way or because that person is telling me I should feel this way. Mm-hmm. And that's a confusing place to be in. You have to own your emotions and own your decisions. And like I said, when my family member got out of that relationship, I think she finally owned the fact that she was unhappy and not the fact that everyone else was telling her that she should be unhappy because of X, Y, and Z. And that's a powerful thing. And I get in the way of that. <laughs> and I'm, it's, and like I said, you can have the best of intentions in the world, but just because you have good intentions doesn't mean that you're helping them. You're probably hurting them. Mm-hmm. Um, another example, I got out of a relationship at the beginning of this year and the way that I coped with it was just writing a ton of songs and posting them just to get my thoughts and my emotions out there. And I didn't really think in the beginning, oh my gosh, you know, I'm not saying the girl's name in these songs, but if she or a friend would see this, it could probably be hurting her healing. And there's a very passive way to communicate. It's passive, but I'm also a creative type and I get therapy by creating. Yeah. And it just helps me get my thoughts out there so I don't need to have them stew in my brain. But at the same time, it's tricky because I, I need to heal in my way. And have she, you thought about why you decided to post a lot of those songs to social media? Because I post every song on social media. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, we can go into this. You, you, can, you can grill me. I'm going to. Now we're grilling. Yeah, <laughs> with John and Tim <laughs> grilling. <laughs> uh, this is the grilling podcast. Now, uh, now I think, and, and we, we uh, might not do that, but it, it kind of piggybacks on some of these things we experience, and we don't even know why we're doing certain things. Um, and getting in touch with your emotions, like there's a lot of things we do that subconsciously in the back of our minds, there's a reason we're doing it just not evident to us or maybe we don't want to pay attention to that reason because mm-hmm. no one ever taught us how to really feel about certain things mm-hmm. um example in my own life in anybody's life really when you grow up in an environment and it kind of relates to what we we're talking about you know on our last podcast about uh seeing a child or a pet or whatever grow when you see them every day mm-hmm. versus when you don't see them for months, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, when you see them again after six months, it's like, oh, my gosh, you're so huge. Like, wow. Uh, I think a lot of times as we grow up, our environment that we're in is normal for us. There's little changes every day that we don't even pick up on. Um, and this is uh, regardless of where you're from. You're born into this thing that you have no other idea of what's out there in the world. Mm-hmm. So your your view of the world is very, very small. Your view of what other families are like is very, very small. And if you don't have exposure to all of that, you just assume that in your little bubble, that's what it's like everywhere. Mm-hmm. And until you break out of that, you, you just don't know. You know, there's a lot of people that are in abusive relationships that when that relationship started, it was great. It was good. Now, I'm not speaking as an expert here. This is just as I see it, just a disclaimer. Um, that relationship was good. They saw something in that person and day after day after day after day, it's not, they don't see it as bad as it really is as somebody else then looking on sees it. So for them, it is harder yeah. for them to see just how toxic this relationship might be. And that becomes their normal. Yeah. They're comfortable there until they're not. Yeah. And when they're not and when they realize that, then things can get really scary. And um 
It's like what we talked about before, when the pain is greater is when you leave. Yeah, when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. Yeah. You're not going to change. Uh, I went to, I was having a really rough time. I think it was probably back in 2014 or 2015 where um, I grew up thinking like, when I grew up, maybe in my 20s, I hear this depression thing. I didn't understand depression. Uh, like, oh, well, why can't people just be happy? I didn't understand it. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was just an emotion. And, and, and then, and then, uh, and then I experienced, I started experiencing the, these things. I'm, I'm self-employed. So if I don't have work, you know, I'll stay home. Like, oh, I got a day off. But like by 10 o'clock, I'm like in my basement, like, dude, you're a pathetic loser. Like, why, like, why are you not out doing something and being act? And I just, I didn't, I never understood what that was. I just thought it was like, dude, you're worthless. Like, you know, you're lazy. You you should be out doing something, but yet something inside of me didn't want to. And I didn't realize at the time, well, that was depression kicking in probably. Mm-hmm. Um, until years later, I, I finally decided I need to go to a therapist. I didn't want to figure out what this, 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 all of these emotions are. And I'm still thinking, I'm still un, unknown. Like, what, what, what am I feeling? Why am I so sad all the time or depressed or whatever? And I still didn't know much about it. And I, and I told her a little bit about my, my childhood and, and my story and what I thought was a normal, healthy, not perfect, but not awful childhood. And she's like, dude, there's a lot of traumatic experiences you had there that led to who you are today. Mm-hmm. And it was mind blowing for me. Yeah. Because I had not ever pictured anything I experienced as traumatic at all. So that, that was, was a life. Was, yeah, I thought like that was normal. Like yeah. I thought that wasn't that much different than anybody else. Um, so I think sometimes it's easy to just kind of move through not knowing how bad things might be for you. In the in the ways that you in the ways that you cope, in the ways that are helpful to you are not helpful to someone else necessarily. Right. So the ways that you feel loved, the ways that you feel heard and cared for doesn't apply to your friend or your partner or your even your kids. And that's a big thing for me is whenever I want to feel heard and I have a friend or whatever, I don't whenever they don't give me what I give them, it feels like it's an unbalanced relationship. But really, they just may not express that way. And I guess the question I have for you is what are ways I'm kind of putting you on the spot. What are ways that you feel loved? What are ways that you feel like someone's listening to you and like helping you? Like, how would you like <laughs> to be helped? Uh, if I gave you an answer to that question, my wife would kill me. <laughs> uh, she's been asking me that question for years. Now. Emily, I'll figure it out for you right now. Um, I'm putting him on the spot. And honestly, that's that's funny that, that you say that because that is Yeah, we read a book a long time ago called The Five Love Languages and I, I get kind of Have you ever read that book? I think it's awesome, but you might just tear it apart right now. <laughs> I think it's the worst book ever. You think it's the worst? <laughs> because I, No, and and I'll tell you, ah, no, it's not the worst book ever. Um but it, it's frustrating because I read that book and my wife's like, so which one are you? I'm like, man, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I don't, none of them really. She's like, sweet, awesome, good talk. You know, cause she'll like give me a hug and I'm like, get off me. And she'll want to be like, sit next to me and watch a movie. I'm like, no, can I just have my space, please? Or, you know, she'll do the dishes or, or vacuum the floors or, or clean. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm not. 
not feeling anything from that. And she's like, honey, you did a really good job today doing that thing. I'm like, yeah, I know because I'm fucking awesome. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and, uh, and that's where the E comes from, everybody. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know if I don't, I don't know. And I don't, is it because I don't really know how to feel loved? I, I don't know. I'm still in the middle of this, yeah. this thing and, and, uh, trying to figure that out. From a friend's standpoint, how can, if you're going through something, would you much rather just figure it out on your own and you'd rather a friend just not get involved and help? Or does it feel good whenever someone's like, hey, you know what? Let me take a load off. Oh, geez, man. I don't know. Cause I think about that a lot. Um, I feel like you uh, don't, you don't really ask for help very much. No. I kind of have to force you to let me help you with things. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's taken a while to let, just let go of something. And it's not that, and I'll be honest. And I thought about this a lot too. It's not that I want the control. Mm-mm. I mean, my wife, she would often say sometimes like, honey, you're being really controlling and I'll kind of get a- upset. Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm not, I'm not a controlling guy, but I have to like, I have to think about that. And this goes back to, if you listen to our short episode uh, that we posted earlier, um, we talk about like these, these things, these viewpoints that you, that you live by and being open to change and realizing like, Oh, maybe, maybe I am, maybe I am being controlling, but I'm not my one, my one therapist said I was narcissistic. I'm like, what? No, I'm not. I'm not a narcissist. Like, but I always looked at that as a, a negative right. character trait. Well, it's not all negative. No, there are some of it. That's just it. Just describes kind of maybe who who you are, who you became, or tendency a tendency that it's not malicious. It's not always look at me. I did this. Sometimes it's just I. I don't want any of the. Ri- I want. How do I say this? I, I don't want any of the credit yep. for something, mm-hmm. but I will take the responsibility if it fails. Okay. So other people don't have to. Okay. Like I'll I'll put myself at fault, I guess. Okay. Uh, if any of that makes sense, I, I don't know. No, um, it does. And, and that's why it's maybe sometimes I hesitate asking for help because I'm like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to burden other people with my stuff. Okay, so that makes sort sense. of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. When in when in reality, I'll go even further because I'm on a roll here. Um, yeah. Some people, though, if you want to be a good leader and if you want to be, you've got to be able to know, like, no, me asking for help doesn't mean that I'm I'm weak, Mm-mm. but it can be an opportunity to accentuate somebody else's strength. Yeah. And by allowing them to um, exhibit their strengths and the things that they're good at, it's not saying that I don't know how to do it. It's not saying that I can't do it. But you're working together as a team. And when you can start to see everybody as equals and that you're not better than them and they're not worse than them, like I never looked or I never looked at anybody else thinking like I'm better than you, like in a in a malicious way. Right. You know, and I think it ultimately stems from not a high self esteem, but a low self esteem. Yeah. You have to kind of put on this false sense of superiority to make yourself feel better. But in the process of that, it sometimes and most often makes other people feel like you don't trust them or you don't believe that they are capable. Yeah. And that sucks saying that it sucks realizing that. Cause you, you think like, Oh my gosh, how long have I been doing that? 
And it's not even like I did it on purpose. I think recognizing it is huge. I feel like that's like 80% of the battle probably because a lot of people aren't at that point yet. And they'll live their whole life feeling this weird cloud in the back of their brain they can't identify. And that's probably one of the clouds that people are feeling. I, 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 another thing I've been learning in my class this week is when, uh, how to, how to properly listen to somebody. So during that, during that story right then and there, I could have been having 10 narratives in my brain and not listening to a word you said, just planning my next response. Mm -hmm. How many times do we do that? All the freaking time. All the time. See, that's what I'm getting at. And how is that helpful to your friends? Whenever, whenever your friend is going through something, when they're coming to you and spilling their heart out, one, you should be grateful that they trust you enough to do that. But two, take it seriously and actually listen. Look at their posture. Look at their eye movement. Listen to the tone of their voice. Um, you look at them as a whole package. Don't just listen to the words that they're saying. And actually think of a response based on what they're saying and not this preconceived notion of just how you should respond to someone in trouble. And I think that is another big way that we can actually help someone because I struggle with that too. Actually listening. And I'll, I'll be very honest, this podcast, just the two of us here, it's a great exercise in listening yeah. because I, you know, listening back to the first episode um, for learning purposes, I'm I'm listen I'm finally getting a chance to like listen to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, that was really good what he just said, and I totally ignored it. Like the next thing I said had nothing to do with what you just said, and I could have totally complimented you or said or piggybacked on that with something. But getting used to this back and forth on a podcast conversation style, like it's hard to move the conversation forward yet still listen to the, what the person's saying <laughs> and not have any dead space. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's, it's a little different than meeting a friend for coffee off the record. It is different, but it's something that I need to practice. And I know I would be a better helper if instead of pushing what I think I just simply am there and I just listen. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of times that's just what people want in my own life. Sometimes my wife will come home from work. Um, doesn't happen as much lately. And I don't know if it's because things are, um, things are better. Or maybe she just learned. Don't talk to my husband about this stuff because instead of me just listening and saying, gosh, honey, that, that sucks. I'm really sorry that you had to deal with that. Like to me, Actually, I don't know if it was reverse, but like when she would tell me something like this, I'd be like, I just want to go in like, oh, those sons, I just, I can't believe they're doing that to you. And, ah, and it's, it's never anything bad. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just general workplace frustration sometimes. And, and, uh, I, I get defensive of my wife and all she really wants is, honey, oh, that's, I'm sorry you had to deal with that today. You're, you're amazing. You do a really good thing. You did. I'm getting a little bit better at saying, honey, you, you did everything right. You're, you're awesome. Like, I'm sorry I had to deal with that. Yeah. And the funny thing is, the, the thing that I selfishly wish is the people, so say you would say that to Emily and she would get offended or she'd get upset by that. I wish we'd have a little more grace and I wish they would see that we are just simply feeling for them. Yeah. But that's not it's not it's not, it's not what that. they wanted no it's not that's what not wanted. what they wanted right no. there and it's not helpful for them in fact a lot of times it just ends up making it worse because all they want to feel is just her they just want to 
it's not a fixable thing. No. And there's nothing I could do in the moment that would fix anything. It's not ours to fix. No. And there's and there's nothing I would have done anyway. Like I can't. So all, all the best thing to happen, but I'm really I'm really sorry you had to you know, you had to go through that. Mm-hmm. Or how does that make you feel? Or yeah. things like that. Mm-hmm. That must be really frustrating. Mm, yeah, I would probably be upset too. Yeah. And I know for me, whenever I went to therapy and I shared like a whole big load of baggage and she just said, like, oh my gosh, like that really sucks. I'm really sorry. Like that must be awful. I don't really think I remember ever had someone say that. And I didn't really think how impactful that would be. Someone just simply sympathizing and acknowledging that what you feel is okay and normal. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, so, yeah, how, yeah. How did that make you feel? When somebody <laughs> finally responded, like, wow, that's hard. And going off for, you know, com- workplace frustrations, this might be a stretch, but people who go through divorce, death, uh, losing a friend, any anything traumatic, your brain has trauma. And this is something that I thought of. Yeah. Whenever someone gets into a car accident and they're in the hospital bed, they are covered in bruises, scrapes, bandages, casts, and all that stuff. And you don't go to their hospital bed the next day and just start telling them all these things they should do. And you don't go there and you don't say, you should have done this. Why were you doing this? You just sit by their bedside and you sympathize with them and you empathize and You were just there. Sometimes you'll sit there quietly for hours while they just lay there. And when someone goes through a traumatic event, you don't see the physical trauma they have on their body, but their brain literally had the crap kicked out of it and it needs time to heal. So when you go into someone's life right after something happens, it could even be months and you start telling them all the stuff they should do. They're still in that hospital bed. Their brain is still recovering and you need to be... Again, how do we know? You look at someone, it's just maybe it's probably having discernment. Maybe that's when you look at nonverbal cues instead of listening to what they say. Because sometimes someone might say they're good and they could put on that smile, but they're not. And I need to get better at recognizing that. Yeah, it's really hard, I think, because we want to have things explained. Mm-hmm. We want to be able to provide an explanation for why something happened. Instead of just sitting in that, well, it did happen. Let's process how we feel. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times with, with my kids, they'll, they'll do something and they'll end up getting hurt. And, and I'll, and I won't even acknowledge, but see, you shouldn't have been doing that. That's so like, well, duh. Like that's a given. Duh. Yeah. I know. Like my daughter is four and she was, and, you know, she, our dog, and we got it. We got a dog a couple months ago. He's a great dog, but she likes to take him on walks around the house, inside the house, you know, and puts him on his leash. And then the dog doesn't understand when you get to the top of the stairs, don't go bolt down the stairs because there's a four year old on the other end of the leash. No matter how many times we tell her, hey, don't do that. Like she's still, she kid's still going to do that. Um, just like any one of us <laughs> doing something we shouldn't be doing, we're still going to do it because we feel like we've got a little bit of control well dog pulls her down the stairs yeah see i told you not to do that instead of being like oh my gosh honey i'm so sorry like are you okay like where does it hurt you know and then after she feels loved and cared for then talk about hey maybe let's, let's think about what you did there yeah and maybe we can avoid that in the future if we if we do that 
Yeah, there's ways you can word it and instead of telling someone an absolute. So instead of saying, John, you should do X, Y, and Z, I can say, hey, man, based on what I've seen and like what I've gone through, maybe try X, Y, and Z. Like it might work for you, but ultimately, you know, you know you better than anyone. So, so you can still say what you want to say, but wording it in a way that isn't uh, authoritative. And I want to get, this is a good dovetail into the next thing I want to get into involved with helping is empowering somebody. So sometimes whenever you go to help someone, you are not empowering them. You are essentially making them a puppet into your agenda or your way of thinking and not empowering them to figure it out on their own. So maybe in that scenario with Anne, when she fell, how how would what would be a good way to empower her? Um, or, and maybe it'd be hard. I don't know. Yeah, I think it, in situations like that, not making her feel stupid mm-hmm. for hooking the dog up to the leash and walking around, even though we've told her not to. Yeah. Um, sometimes it takes a long time to learn lessons, and it isn't just a children thing. This is a uh, an adult thing. We do things all the time. We know this probably is not the best for us. But we do it anyway. Yeah. Um, and it takes a long time and then it takes to, to change that and the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change or whatever that thing we always say. Right. Is. Right. Um, it's, the, it's so true. Um, yeah, but in, in a way to empower her in that moment right now, as far as I know, is to just not make her feel bad for what she did. Yeah. And it was an accident and you just, you forgot, you know, and, and you try harder to remember next time that when the dog is bigger and stronger than you are, mm-hmm. you know, and it won't, he won't be for long because you're a growing girl and you're, you know, you're getting bigger and stronger too. And pretty soon you'll be able to do that. Let's, um, let's kick it up a notch into like a, an adult scenario. Let's go back to that person in my family who left uh, their husband. So, so she left. And we could easily say, okay, now that you're out, you need to get a place, you need to save X amount of dollars, you need to work on, you know, but, you know, all of these things. And say she listened to all that. I mean, I'm not saying this is a blanket statement, everyone is different, but what are the chances of someone slipping back into old habits? Because it, it's like the movie Inception, that thought was so strong in that person's brain because they believe that they birthed it out of their own brain. Kind of like what we talked about the last episode. Mm -hmm. So instead of telling someone what to do, if you empower them to go down the path that they need to feel, they feel like they need to go down, you know, uh, you know what? I'm going to leave him and I, I want to move to California. Instead of being like California, no, you need to stay here. You need Mm -hmm. to save money. Like, what are you thinking? Being like, you want to go to California? Awesome. How how can we how can we make the like how can I be of service? Yeah. What what's in California? Or even ask questions. Well, what is it about California that you like? Yeah, exactly. Ask ask questions. Ask them about their loving. I mean, if they're staying in Southern California, like San Diego or La Jolla, we were just there. It's really nice. I would. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with you to California. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you get what I'm saying. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like that is a more effective approach because someone that one they feel heard. Oh, you heard I want to go to California. Yeah. Two, you're not judging me for wanting to go to California? Yeah. Really? Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> or how about how about when I'm I'm moving to California? Oh, I'm going to miss you. <laughs> 
Oh, sorry. It ain't about you. It's about me moving to California. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going to miss you too, but where's the encouragement for branching out and going doing something exciting? Yeah, oh, it's it's not, about you missing me? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, it's, it's not about you. Uh, and going off of empowerment, we can kind of pause the relationship aspect for a second. We can talk about real world. Well, not that that's not real world, but helping. <laughs> no, you, you go, like, uh, I know what you mean. Uh, we can talk about churches. We can talk about donations. We can talk about giving people things, and we think that they're help. We're helping them, but really, we're hurting. And mm-hmm. I know you have more experience on this yeah. than me, so you can. I, yeah, I remember my first time with that. I was going to a Assemblies of God Church uh, a long time ago, and they were doing a shoe donation, something like that, uh, where one of the 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 people of the church was going to another country, and they were going to bring all of these shoes down. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. And I was wearing my, well, back at the time, this is embarrassing, um, the Skechers, like, shape-up shoes with their, oh. like, had the little rounded bottom to it. You kind of, like, little well, walking on little boats. Wasn't it good for your posture to make your butt look it good? It was supposed to. Turns out, no, not at all. Like, <laughs> teaser, future episode, we're going to talk about shoes. <laughs> um, not at all, but I love these shoes. They were super comfy. And I was like... I felt so inspired to help somebody. I took my shoes off and I left them there and I walked out in my socks. And I was probably one of the only people there. They all brought their extra shoes that they had. But no, I gave my favorite shoes. And uh, I had this like self-inflated sense of importance. Like I did that, you know. And uh, a couple years later, uh, a friend of mine, there's a lot of ministries in, in Haiti and other places. And was telling us a little bit about when helping hurts. A lot of the things that we do in situations like that think like, oh yeah, they're taking a bunch of shoes down to give people to shoes to kids and adults who don't have any because their streets are so gnarly, like they need footwear. But what they don't tell you is what happens to the guy that sells shoes in that community. That guy that sells shoes is now out of business and he can't feed his family because you just brought in a whole bunch of free shoes for the community. Dang. And well, then if he can't buy stuff for his family, then what about all the places that he spends his money? Well, they suffer a little bit too. And then the more and more of these people that come in and bring in all of this supplies just to hand out shirts and food and medications and all of this stuff may actually hurt. Mm hmm. You know, and we don't realize that. So on a on a bit a little bit bigger scale, a different area down there, it was really important to talk to an expert. What is the best way we can help? Go into a community the and he's asking questions. Asking questions, absolutely. And even maybe just going in and experiencing it for a year, two years, three years. This is the world's been around for a long time. There's still gonna be problems we don't just need to rush in and play superhero immediately thinking we have all the answers we don't (laughs) it's so funny how this basic concept plays into everything it plays into friendships Mm -hmm. relationships uh we talked a little bit about last time about sayings that people say uh those quotes that you see on posts on facebook or those christian pictures you know like the dove and you take this verse or you take this quote um, that sometimes hurt people and doesn't help them, but we think mm-hmm. that it's it's helping them. I know. I mean, we, we can talk about this when people want to pray for you, or and th- this is like super deep. But the heart of the person 
is good. We want to believe it's good, right? Mm-hmm. When someone says, I'll pray for you. And because in their mind, they are connecting to God and they're saying, God, let your will be done in this person. Like, that's a powerful thing. But what if sometimes that person, like, ah, it's tricky. Yeah. I'll, people, people say, pray for these people, pray for them. Well, yeah, I'm going to share a story and I don't know, maybe we can, maybe we can tie it in, but I think it's, it's, it's probably a good time to bring it out. I was really searching. I think 2000, around 2014, I really, really wanted a mirror. I really wanted to see a miracle. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you could easily look at your life and you could, um, you could explain away situations and call them miracles because it's such a thin thread of how you got to a certain place, how things happen the way they did. But usually there is always kind of a explanation, mm-hmm. even if it's thin. It doesn't mean it's a miracle, but I really, really wanted to see one. I mean, I heard, I heard, like I said, I went to an Assemblies of God church, so I heard stories of miracles all the time, and I never saw one. And I was in Haiti, I think it was 2014, and we were in a small community, and actually it was a big community, it was in a tent city of Kana, and one of the the places where they wanted us to go around to different houses and give them some basic need supplies and pray for the families. And um, that isn't typically something we did on, on those trips. Um, but we just took pieces and said, okay, we'll, we'll do that this time. And, and as I was going through, I'm like, this is it. This is my chance to pray and to see a miracle happen because this place is ripe for miracles to happen. Uh, and, and I went in and, and, small little little couple families living together there was a little girl that was blind and i was just prompted i was like john this is this is your chance like mm-hmm. you really need to pray for this girl and uh, for her for her to be able to see again because to be that young in that country and be blind the odds are just absolutely stacked against you and it's just not probably not going to be pleasant and so I was like, I'll pray. I'll pray. So we got around this little girl. I laid my hands on her and I started praying for her sight to return and everything like that. And as I'm praying this, like, I'm feeling awkward, really awkward, all like uncomfortably awkward. And we were done. And as I'm walking away, it's like I, I, I was punched in the face. And God said to me, who the hell do you think you are? Who do you think you are coming in here that I'm going to listen to your prayer over the prayers of her family, of her friends, of all the people that have been praying for her for months and for years? Who do you think you are coming in here and I'm going to listen to you instead? I was like, oh, shit. Like, like, wow. Yeah. And, uh, and it hurt. And I was like, but I, I wasn't even, it wasn't ever about me. Mm-hmm. Like, what would that what would tell what would that tell them? Mm-hmm. Oh, this, this white dude comes in here from another country who's living in a lap of luxury every day and he prays for my daughter and God answers his prayer yeah. and not ours? Come on. Like n- like and that the funny thing is like what I did is what most Christians in America would do. Yeah. They have no idea yeah. how them praying for somebody else makes them feel. You know, somebody comes in and says, they'll pray for me. I'm like, okay, whatever, do whatever you want. Whatever makes you feel better because I've been praying for myself for years. Yeah. What makes you think your prayer is going to be any different? It kind of pisses me off now. I get a little, <laughs> I'm getting, my amygdala is starting to fire here and I'm ready to like right. <laughs> start swinging. But like, how, how does it make you feel like, don't you think that they've been praying for themselves? 
for a long time. Like, <laughs> but it goes back to I'm open to hear other viewpoints. Yeah. I really am. Yeah. No, but I get the frustration. I've been there. I. It goes back to what we were saying, though. These people have this belief. This goes back to our midweek thought we posted earlier this week. These people have this belief. It's so strong in them that this is right, and this is what they feel like they mm-hmm. are called to do. And if their intention is good in praying for you, is it really such a bad... Like, it's almost putting yourself in their shoes, which is really hard to do. Yeah. But if someone wants to pray for you, is it really such a bad thing? I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I actually, cause people have, cause over the next few years, like all of those little moments, and that's just one of many that I experienced that have brought me to where I kind of am today currently, um, uh, in my place of, of belief about different things. And, um, yeah, I can't wait to share so many of those stories. Um, so when somebody else says, Hey, I've, I've, I've been reading what you've been writing and I'm, I'm, I'm praying for you. I'd be like, great. Thanks. Keep doing it. Cause either it's working or it's not. Mm-hmm. And when that was kind of my nice way of saying like, if it's, if it's working, well, gosh, like I'm not going in the direction that you would typically see somebody who would be a Christian following American Christianity going. Right. So it, almost i hope makes them think about that mm-hmm. either it's working and i'm headed this direction and that's a good thing mm-hmm. but that's not what it looks it's supposed to look like and then uh huh, and then or or it's not working mm-hmm. it's just not working sorry save your prayers yeah so people who people who give and they donate money and they give to charities and stuff like that and they post about it online or they, they boast about their work to other people, we've talked about this. People mm-hmm. who say, "Look at what I've done. Look at all the good that I'm doing. Look, look, how, look how I'm helping these people." Mm-hmm. We've we've talked a lot in private about one: Are you doing it for the right reasons? If you're publicly talking about it, right? And I mean, you could argue with me. Like, was I? You said, you know, with writing those songs about that relationship and posting them online, am I doing it for the right reasons? If I'm posting it, if if it truly was about getting it out there, why would I feel the need to post it? And that's right. like that's like a really good question. But again, I think if you look at my track record, you know that I'm just a creative type and a musician, and I'm always trying to be vulnerable. Um, but regardless, is it wrong for someone to do that? Or is it just up to the individual person and there's no right and wrong? Yeah, I see that a lot. Actually, I just saw a video uh, online about somebody doing a good deed and and oftentimes there's something attached to it. Yeah. There's a big one I saw a couple of years ago about a, a homeless man went into a Chick-fil-A and um, there was a big a big conflict like he would give him a meal if he could pray for him. Hmm. Why couldn't you just give him the meal? Mm-hmm. Why do you have to pray for him too? Just give him the meal, do the thing. And uh, I wrote something the other day and it's talking about doing good deeds. Um because I see that online a lot. I see that on Facebook. I see it on Twitter. People wearing their, their t-shirts for their church that say, uh, we serve and we do this. And, and I, and I just question. And again, this is me questioning. I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong. I'm saying this is how I'm currently thinking about it. Um, why? Why does it have to be about the particular church? 
um, a couple years ago, uh, here I am full of stories. A couple years ago, I went and I wanted to help a friend deliver um, some basic needs to a homeless person, right? And I'm talking about these things I'm doing. These are far removed from me. This isn't for any type of like, oh, I can't believe John did that. Like, it's just my, it's just my story um, and how I felt. But I wanted to help him go and do this because there is an intrinsic kind of motivation to do that because you feel good. Like, it makes you feel good to help somebody. Yeah. You can't not get that little bit of a high. Um, you know, and we were going and we were delivering it. We knew where a couple of homeless shelters were and or homeless camps around town. And, and he left a note and it had the name of their church. And I was like, I didn't know he was going to do that. I thought we were just going to drop the stuff off and leave. And uh, it didn't sit well with me. I was just like, well, why did you do that? Like, I would rather have you put your name down than your church's name, because now it's about a thing. Now it's about look at what we did as a church or look at here. Now I get it. It could be come here if you need more help. But then what about the continuing to go? Mm -hmm. The Bible, Jesus always says, go and help others. Go and make disciples. Go and do all this, this, not come to our place. You know, so that really didn't sit well with me that time. And and thinking about that, and I kind of see, I see it a lot. Yeah, it does happen a lot. You hit the nail on the head talking about whenever you help someone, people who attach, attach something to that help. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to help you because it's going to help me. Yeah. And that, I think, is what bugs me. Is yeah. Helping someone with the hope that it's going to give it back to you. And I think, not keep your train of thought because mm-hmm. that was good, but just to kind of add a little tidbit. That happens in friendships. That happens in relationships. Hey, I'm going to help you clean the house, but that just means that I'm going to get X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z later. Or, hey, man, like I'm totally going to help you load your truck full of rocks and help you set something up in your backyard. But next weekend, you, you got me, right? You got me. Like I'm going to yeah. And just helping someone out of the pure love of just wanting to help them, no matter if it it might even hurt you helping them. It might, it might, I might be so out of shape and dead and sore from helping you this weekend, but it's not about me. You mm-hmm. needed help with something. I think if more people thought that way. Yeah. And I think it's hard because that's what ultimately that's what relationships are. There is a give and take there. Sometimes you will give a little bit more. Sometimes you'll take a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so it's not necessarily, it's not always a bad thing. And I don't even, it would be hard to never expect anything in return? Yeah, it would just, I think it would be really hard because I think that return that we get is that feeling good. I just did this good thing. Mm. And I think we try to get as much of that as possible. How can we take this good thing and make it even better yeah. instead of just accepting the good thing mm-hmm. for what it is and letting it go? And that's actually a it was interesting. I was reading another book and I'm going to talk more about this book. And it was talking about Siddhartha Gautama, which is the Buddha and kind of how he got these revelations that he did. And, and he, he wanted to know he was a prince. I might have some of this wrong, but you get the gist of the story, but he was, he was living in luxury. He had everything, but he couldn't understand why there was still suffering. And, you know, he's like, why? Like, we have everything. All of our needs are met, but we're still suffering. And so he just, he left it all to figure it out. And the big takeaway after years and years and years of asking people and thinking about things and the problem is we're never fully present in the mm-hmm. moment. Like we're never truly embracing suffering 
for what it is. Yeah. We're always trying to think about, uh, how do I make it better? How do I, like, how do I not suffer? And we're thinking about how to make it better instead of like just experiencing it. And we do the same thing with joy too. And I think this ties into doing good for other people where we want to get the most out of it. So instead of just doing a good deed for someone and period, that's it. Don't put your name on it. Don't do anything about it. It's not about you. It's about you caring. We want to then add to that because even in moments of joy, we're not fully present in that moment of joy. We're thinking about ways to make it last longer. Yeah. And not just appreciating it for what it is. Right. I mean, you've been on a vacation before. What happens on day two? You think of like, oh crap, I have to go back home. And I, I want this to, like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've got five more days left. Yeah. Oh man, I've only got five more days left. Like, ah, oh, this sucks. You're not even like, man, we're only on day two. It's freaking amazing. Like yeah. this has been the best vacation ever, man. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do the rest of the week because I am fulfilled here on day two. Yeah. We're not, we're thinking about how do I make this last longer? And then we lose out on the rest of the vacation because we're thinking about how much we have left and how little time that is than just enjoying the moment. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. It's a lot to chew on. Were you going to talk about another story of your phone pulled up? Or Oh, yeah. I mean, it was about good deeds, and I kind of hit it. I kind of hit it a lot, but I posted this on Facebook just for... Um, because I saw that. I'll be honest. I saw a local church in my community post some pictures about um, their church serving and they all had shirts on, and I believe that it was all with good intended, but it really just rubbed me the wrong way because of my growing. Why is it about the church? Why is it about the building? Why is it about the entity? Why isn't it just about people and the gospel and doing good things? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just I wrote, and I've been thinking about this for uh, many, many years, um, but why do we do good deeds? And I just I'll just read it. For some, they truly care about the recipient and think nothing but caring for them. They don't care if anyone knows what they are doing or not. They'll do it anyway. They aren't making a public spectacle of their works, but sometimes the public knowing about the work is unavoidable. For others, they may care a little bit about the recipient of the good deed, but there is another part of the service that is also unavoidable. It makes the one doing the good deed feel better, too. This isn't a bad thing, but you must be mindful of the reasons for doing the good deed. If you aren't, you might fall into the next scenario without even realizing it. For some people, the good deed might be done from a place of wanting praise or attention from others. Sure, someone is getting a good deed done, but the primary driver is attention and the one doing the good deed. This is dangerous because you may not even realize you are doing it. It leaves the one receiving the good deed feeling used. They don't feel loved and cared for, but they do feel like a tool used for selfish gain. And then I even go, I think this is important for the Bible because even in Matthew 6, 3, it says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. As far as I know, most of church history says that's about not telling people about your good deeds. Don't tell them. Um, Keep it a secret. I don't think that's what this is referring to. I think what it's referring to is it should just be part of your natural daily life. You don't even think about it. So like your right hand could be doing something when you're playing guitar, when you're riffing, you're not thinking about your right and left hands. No, you're just doing it. They're doing two totally, completely different things. Yeah. Your right hand is not thinking about what your left hand is doing. Your left hand is not thinking about what your right hand is doing. They're just doing it because they know that's what to do. Yeah. And I think that's what that Bible verse means is it's just normal and natural. It requires no thought, requires nothing else other than that's just what you do. Yeah. And... 
think it comes down to being honest with yourself too and asking the individual, why are you doing this? Why, why do you feel the need to give this advice? Are you doing it to feel superiority? Are you doing it to feel like any type of selfish way? Or are you just genuinely trying to help them? And I think deciphering that why helps you kind of, kind of come to terms with justifying your actions. Mm-hmm. Well, like I'm cool with giving $50 to the church every Sunday because I just really want to give. Okay, fine. But are you doing it? Like, you, you know what I mean? Every little situation's different. Yeah. And it's, and it's hard because even some people could be like, well, you're putting your names on this podcast. Like, why don't you just be anonymous and put the podcast out, which that would be a great idea. Um, honestly, if that's your idea, um, but they're little things every day. And well, it's it because, is it's because I don't know. We want to have a, it is like being selfish. Isn't always a bad thing in life. No. Um, it just, you know, you always have to constantly self check. Yeah. Why always, am I doing this? Yes. You know, and, and, if somebody else asks you too, like that can get ready, <laughs> almost get ready for a fight. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody asks you because it challenges you to think about that and you don't, you want to be able to hear it with an open mind. Like, no, they're not accusing you. They're just asking. It's like, it's like the person in my family, uh, whenever they were in this marriage, I never saw them and never talked to them. And they were just distant for so long. And were we, you know, you have to ask yourself, were we giving her this advice because we selfishly wanted her back in our lives or were we giving her this advice because we genuinely thought that this was the best thing for her. And it was probably a mixture of both. You know what I mean? Honestly, but just being real with yourself, you know, with going back to that relationship, uh, that I had justifying, you know, I tell myself I'm doing it for this reasons, but am I really doing it for this reason or am I doing it for this other reason? And, I think you'll be able to sleep better at night whenever you own your decisions and you understand why you're acting the way you are and uh yeah not being the victim. Yeah, this and, is this is deep. These know, are the, really this, really The thing is you and I talk about this stuff every single week. Like yeah. Off off like even when we go to coffee, we'll sit at a coffee shop in town for like 2 hours and have this exact conversation. So Yeah. This isn't like out of the norm. And it's not and and please go back and listen to that seven to ten minute, however long it ends up being, midweek podcast, because a lot of what we're talking about, it might sound like we're definitive or it is right or we know all the answers. I just want to reiterate, like, n- no, like, <laughs> no, nope. I'm in the middle of trying to figure all this stuff out. And if I sound confident, it's because I need to for me right mm-hmm. now, like until I need to change, but I want to be able to be open and be like, oh, maybe I got that wrong too. Um, yeah. yeah. If you know me from years ago, you know, I'm not the same guy at all. Uh, so many different levels. So, yeah, I like to think I'm always changing, hopefully for the better. I'm, I'm trying to be, I thought I was a very introspective person and I was, but I also am learning that I lied to myself a lot and I believed a false narrative that I told myself for so many years of why things were happening, why I acted certain ways and just trying to be honest with myself of why I do what I do. And it's been really therapeutic. Sometimes it's been like, Oh dang, <laughs> dang. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but It can take you, it take you a while to come out of that too. Like realizing like, Oh shoot, <laughs> I was doing that. Yeah, I know. 
But yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Always keep yourself in check. Don't be afraid. And don't be afraid to ask yourself the hard questions. Uh, keep asking yourself why. Why is the, the best thing you can ask yourself? Why? I want to help. I want to help John. Why do I want to help John? I see he's suffering. Well, why do you think John's suffering? Has he told yeah. you he's Have suffering? Have you asked John if he's suffering? Yeah, is John suffering? <laughs> well, he hasn't said it. Okay, so why, why, do, why does he need help? Yeah. Because I think he needs... Well, why, why do you think he does? Well, he seems like he's struggling. Well, maybe you should ask John. You know, kind of go through that process yeah. before you Here's say, what you need to do. If you think John is going through some rough stuff, don't talk to other people about John. Yeah. Um, don't, don't say, hey, oh, man, I, I'm worried about John. You know what? Email me. <laughs> Call me. Text me. Say, hey, I haven't talked in a while. You want to get coffee? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Dang. Yeah. And here I was going to bring up mansplaining and what mansplaining is, but maybe we'll save that for the next episode. We could save it. I mean, I don't, it just depends. We're it's almost wh- at an hour. Yeah. We're about at an hour and we want to keep these things around that time for you guys. Um, this has been like a heavy I don't know. Do you guys want an hour or less or two hours? Because <laughs> <laughs> I could go. you guys? <laughs> yeah. Let us know. Like I said, we're going to be doing midweek thoughts and it's going to be around Monday or Tuesday of every week. And it's going to be between five and 15 minutes. Just a quick little nugget to chew on. Um, so yeah, just let us know. And this episode has been really like deep and heavy, but this is how our conversations go sometimes. Sometimes like they're, there's probably so much more we could say, but that's for another day. Yep. Hey, uh, what's the difference between snowmen and snow women? You told me this one. Snowballs. Snowballs. (laughs) (laughs) I oh, that's so good. Who was I with? I was like dying and I was like, Oh man, John just told me this joke. Tell me another one. What did the fish say when it ran into the wall? I don't know. Damn. <laughs> so good. But yeah, <laughs> we are going to go here. Uh, any final thoughts on this topic before we head out? Why well, wasn't this mushroom tries to get into a, a bar and the bouncer won't let him in and mushrooms all confused. Why not? I'm a fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. My, that's my final thought. All right, cool. See us uh, next week on the Midweek Thoughts. Listen to Midweek Thoughts from this week. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We're having fun doing this, and I hope you get something out of it. We are. So it really doesn't matter about you. It's all about us. (laughs) Because we are selfish, and we accepted Mm -hmm. that. We are totally intrinsically doing this podcast for us Mm -hmm. and us alone. And if you get something out of it, great. I don't really care. I (laughs) do care. I care. I do. I actually do. So. All right. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.